Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. I am so happy to have you with me here today. I'm always endeavoring to bring you the current events from a constitutional and principled perspective. Uh, We bring you the facts, not the fake, and the truth and not the propaganda. And today is going to be, remember we're a teach show and not a talk show. And today's going to be a little bit more teach than talk. I hope that you will enjoy it. want to deal with a very uh, pressing issue that is in the news today. And it has to do with the Alabama law on abortion. So the Alabama State Senate passes near total abortion ban in direct challenge to Roe v. Wade, the NBC article that we're using today uh, references. And uh, I, there's some very serious issues that are going on here, and I want to show you today maybe why um, this is not actually a good idea. This may not be the best way to handle this, and I want to show you why. Uh, I was, uh, JC and I were, were listening to Rush Limbaugh the other day uh, talk about this, and you know, I, I appreciate Rush. I, I normally enjoy a lot of what Rush has to say. And I don't know if I've said this on the air or not, but Rush is probably my first experience with um, a Republican who has uh, knowledge, logic, and critical thinking. And, and you know, I, I hear in the back of my head right now somebody saying, oh, but Chrisanne, Rush not a Republican, he's an independent. Um, no, Rush is a Republican. Uh, he is very, very uh, standard Republican ideology and stances. Uh, he is not a constitutionalist because he, he lacks a lot of information on Constitution. And this is, this is uh, one of those cases. So I was listening to Rush, and Rush was talking about this Alabama uh, law. Now, as the article points out, the Alabama legislators, and I would say the people of Alabama through their legislators, wrote this law with a specific purpose. And I would say not just a specific purpose to um, outlaw abortion. Because if they had that purpose, they would just go ahead and do that. But the legislators specifically said that they wrote this piece of legislation to challenge, to aim a challenge 
at the Supreme Court's opinion, Roe v. Wade. That is why I think this is not a really good idea, and it might be something that's dangerous. It's my, it is definitely not necessary, and unfortunately, unless Ginsburg dies and Trump nominates a truly pro-life justice, uh, unlike Kavanaugh, I, I don't think this is going to work out the way Alabama and its people are hoping that it will work out. So let me, let me take this time in the show today to explain why I think this is not only unnecessary, but this is dangerous. So Rush Limbaugh says on his show, he says that Alabama has to write this law to challenge the ruling on Roe v. Wade because the ruling in Roe v. Wade created a law that mandates that the states allow abortion. Now, longtime listeners here to Liberty First know why that's a problem. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I tweeted to Rush Limbaugh uh, a correction of his error. Error number one, the Supreme Court does not issue rulings. The Supreme Court issues opinions. Kings issue rulings, courts issue opinions. And that is a really big deal. What's interesting is I've read thousands, thousands of cases. Never once have I read a court refer to its previous writings as a ruling. The justices who write their opinions always say, this court held. They don't say, this court ruled. And I believe that that is a distinction that we must understand in our minds because this idea that the Supreme Court issues rulings, I I truly believe that it affects the psyche of America. I believe that this is part of the cultural hypnotism that happens to the people in regard to the courts and the entire judicial system. There is some kind of, I don't understand it, some kind of allegiance to the courts, a kingly allegiance to the courts that we see in the psyche of America. I Well, I I think it's spiritual. I think it's in the psyche of humankind, but it's it's specifically I think noticeable here in America because our judiciary was actually created to not be this ruling class of people. Now at Liberty First University, I have a course on the creation of the judiciary through our constitution what those who wrote the Constitution, who actually created and designed the judiciary, actually meant when they created the the judiciary. And there was specific discussion. How do we keep this federal judiciary 
from becoming the ruling class of judges that we see all over the world throughout time. So you see, they recognized this problem with, with judicial supremacy. They recognized the way that it overcomes the people. And they wanted to specifically create the federal judiciary in such a way that the judiciary had authority, but very, very limited and defined authority. As a matter of fact, Alexander Hamilton, you know, the big government guy, Alexander Hamilton, would refer to the Supreme Court as the weakest branch of government. He says they have neither the sword nor the purse. And with that understanding, they have no way to actually enforce their opinions. They rely on the executive branch to do that. And so we've sort of really flipped that on its head here lately in America. We have this, and I, and I say lately, meaning, you know, the last maybe 120 years, right? So that's not really lately, but we have flipped that. And through a mentality of allegiance to this judiciary as if they're infallible and unquestionable, we've established the certain... Um, misconceptions that dictate how, not only how we think about the judiciary, but also how we act. And I believe that this, this verbalization that this, the courts issue rulings is part of that, I, I, I call it a hypnotism, a his, hypnotism of the American psyche into believing that the judiciary is this really all-powerful oligarchy. They are kingly with their rulings. And that's why I'm always encouraging people to, to say and to intentionally say the Supreme Court held or Supreme Court opinion. And I'll just, I'll just flat out admit to you that every once in a while that ruling thing will slip out of my mouth too, because seriously, sometimes that, that is so deeply ingrained and, and so reflexive. It just, it just pops out. So I am also continually trying to correct myself uh, to keep my thinking in line. And so Rush not only says the Supreme Court issued a ruling, but he called Roe v. Wade law. This is problem number two that has helped the cultural hypnotism of the American people. This idea that Roe v. Wade is law. It is not law. Roe v. Wade is not law. It is a Supreme Court opinion. And legally speaking, just legally, not constitutionally, but legally speaking, a court's opinion is only binding on the people involved in the case. A court's opinion does not reach outside the courtroom. Court opinions don't get issued by a judge and then affect everybody in that community. A county court judge doesn't make uh, uh, hold an opinion uh, that affects the entire county. A state district judge doesn't uh, create an opinion that affects the whole district. The state Supreme Court doesn't hold an opinion that affects the entire state. And the Supreme Court, the federal courts, don't dictate opinions that affect the entire United States. Let me tell you, this idea 
that a single court opinion controls everybody within its realm is so dangerous. And, you know, you can actually prove it to be wrong with just one simple fact. If that were true, if a, if a court's opinion mandated a certain thing to its entire jurisdiction, there would never be any court cases overturned. Because there would never be another court case to challenge it because everybody would be dictated by that single court opinion and no challenges would ever come through because that singular opinion would be binding forever. So they don't make law and they don't rule over people. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. I want to remind you that I have a DVD on the American judiciary from a constitutional perspective at chrisannhall.com. If there are going to be changes in America that go beyond our comprehension and slip under our radar, those changes will and always will and always have occurred through the courts. It is an amazing, self-evident historical truth that it's the courts who change a society, who eventually rule over a society. It's why our founders actually created, specifically endeavored to create a court system that was more limited and more defined than had ever been seen in history. They knew from their own history, those of you, raise your hand if you've been through my, my history class, uh, the history of the Constitution at Liberty First University. It's called the genealogy of the Constitution. Raise your hand if you've had that course because you know that one of the first ways the kings controlled the people was through the court system. Whenever a new king came in and he wanted to change the way things ran, he wanted to change how things operated, what he did was change out the judges in the court system and replaced them with judges that were loyal to him and not necessarily loyal to the law of the land. See, there's something, something in the psyche of, of humankind. I, I truly believe it's spiritual that we just instantly trust a judge. I mean, think about this from a practical perspective. Would you trust your neighbor to decide a matter on your $4 billion company? I mean, would you go next door to your neighbor and say, hey, my business partner and I, we can't agree. I know you're a plumber. I think you could handle it. Will you make a decision regarding our $4 billion company? Would you do that? No way. No way at all. But 
Your plumber next door neighbor runs for judge. You put a black robe on him, stick him on behind a bench, and put a gavel in his hand. Now all of the sudden, not only is he capable, miraculously capable, of deciding the matters on your $4 billion business, but now society sees him as infallible and unchallengeable. I can't explain to you why that happens. That's why I think it's a spiritual thing. But that's the way it works. This is one of the problems that our founders really tried to to really overcome as a matter of, of government law and human nature. Unfortunately, I think it was just so strong ingrained in our human nature. I seriously don't know if there's anything they could have done to overcome because they really, really, we did a lot. And if we're really honest with ourselves... The greatest expansion of federal power has come to the judiciary, not the Congress, not the president, but the judiciary itself. Let me just case in point. Okay. Roe v. Wade. Roe v. Wade, the Supreme Court has no jurisdiction over by the Constitution, period. I know that's kind of shocking to to believe, but I'll just simply point it out to you. And in those of you who've had the uh, Liberty First University class on judiciary, you already know the answer to this. So Roe v. Wade doesn't fall under federal jurisdiction because by Article 3 of the Constitution, the federal judiciary was specifically excluded from cases that fall exclusively within the borders of a city, of a, of a state, excuse me. So when a citizen of a state sues another citizen of the state, when the citizen of the state sues its own state, the Supreme Court is written out of that jurisdiction. Now, those of you who've, who've had the judiciary course at Liberty First University, you know why. Our founders did this. You know the specific words they used and the specific reasoning they gave for not wanting the Supreme Court to be involved in intrastate issues. Remember, because the federal government is excluded from intrastate issues and they didn't want the courts on the inside of the states because they knew with the courts inside the states that would eventually bring the entire, they would tug the entire federal government to the inside of the states. So your federal government inside your state, I believe, is a direct result of the courts inside your state. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. We're talking about Alabama writing a law whose purpose is not just simply to outlaw abortion, but to, um, but to challenge Roe v. Wade. And I'm, I'm explaining to you why I think this is not the greatest idea and this is not necessary. It's not, it is dangerous. It is unnecessary. And it just simply sets us up for a very 
bad outcome. There's a saying in law that says bad facts make bad law. And I think that Alabama is actually creating the worst set of facts possible to create even worse law. I understand the the optimism that they have because we now have this Trump court, but you and I both know that Kavanaugh is not who he was professed to be, and I do not believe that Kavanaugh is going to side in the way that everybody thinks he's going to. I mean, he's been showing his true colors for a long time now. Uh, we covered this on the Chris Ann Hall Show. I wrote an article, The Vetting of Kavanaugh to the Constitution, where I told you he is not a constitutionalist, and I don't believe that he's truly pro-life either. Kavanaugh has two ideologies that go supreme over everything. Ideology number one, judicial supremacy. Judicial supremacy rides over everything. Ideology number two, precedent rules, not the Constitution. So, Remember, Supreme Court doesn't issue rulings, they do not create law, and the opinions that they write do not cover everybody in the United States. If that were the case, Alabama's law would never reach, it, it would just automatically, automatically, there'd be federal troops trying to, you know, do whatever they do, or the federal government doing whatever they do. So, uh, the fact that Alabama can actually issue a challenge to Roe v. Wade proves that Roe v. Wade doesn't dictate law in Alabama. Now, I also want to talk to you about some very other important issues in regard to this Alabama case, On and, and we're going to now tell you why I think this is a really bad idea. We have to understand, number one, that the courts do not make law. Courts do not make law, but that's what we think. Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution reads, All legislative powers herein shall be, uh, herein granted shall be vested in Congress of the United States, which shall consist of the Senate and the House of Representatives. All legislative powers. So for us, and I'm sorry, Rush, for us to believe that Roe v. Wade is law and to actually, I've even had some law professors say, well, of course it's not actually law, Chrisanne, but it has the force of law. I don't even know what that means. How, how, how do you even reconcile it? It's not law, but it has the force of law, which I think makes it even worse, right? So it's not really law. Because they recognize that it's legislation without representation, that it's contrary to the Constitution. It's the most violent attack on the Constitution at all because it's an attack on the separation of powers. Then they'll say, but we can have things in America that are not law but can be enforced through the force of government by law. How do you, how do you get more tyrannical than that? How, how can you actually be a law professor, you know, a vetted law professor, and talk about things like that? There's, there's not even a provision in law that says there are things that are to be enforceable by law. So it's not law. Not only that, remember, Roe v. Wade is not binding on anybody but Roe and Wade. But look what else I want you to see. Roe v. Wade, because remember, the jurisdiction of the courts 
does not come over Roe v. Wade of the federal courts. They have no jurisdiction in this. I understand what everybody says about the 14th Amendment, but I want you to read the 14th Amendment. Is there anything within the 14th Amendment that actually changes Article 3? Is there any language within Roe v. Wade? I'm sorry, within the 14th Amendment that says the states, that the federal courts now, contrary to Article 3, now have jurisdiction within the states? The quick answer to that question is no. Nothing. As a matter of fact, the 14th Amendment, something I've always held, is a superfluous statement of the obvious. And that's it. We have been hypnotized into thinking that it's some amazing nuclear bomb of federal power. And we've allowed the courts to assume a jurisdiction that they don't have based on this interpretation, not proper application. So I know there's going to be people that will argue with me with that, but they'll never be able to quote the Constitution to argue with me. They'll always say, well, but the Supreme Court said, and this, that, and the other. Okay, if you're using the Supreme Court to justify Supreme Court authority, hello, you're using the Supreme Court to justify Supreme Court authority, that is oligarchy, that is not constitutional republic. Now, because the federal government doesn't have jurisdiction over this matter, and, number two, the federal government was never delegated any authority to define life. Remember, that's the role of Roe v. Wade. The courts define when life started. There is absolutely no authority within the courts for the courts to actually justify filing uh, an opinion on the meaning of life. Now, because the courts have no jurisdiction in, in, in state matters, because they have no authority to define life, Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution declares this opinion to be invalid. Remember, if it's not made in pursuance to the Constitution, then guess what? Read it. The judges in every state shall not be bound thereby. Now, I want to remind you that we have this information at Liberty First University. I, I can't teach the whole judiciary class for you. So if you want this, you really, really need to go to Liberty First University and uh, sign up, or you need to get the DVD off chrisannhall.com. So we need to know that, that Article 6, Clause 2, says that anything that's made inconsistent with the Constitution, the judges in every state shall not be bound thereby. So since, number one, the Supreme Court doesn't have jurisdiction over this matter on two terms, it is a, a matter that happens within the borders of the states. Number two, the Supreme Court has never, or the federal government as a whole, has never been delegated the authority to define life. Number three, it's not a law, it's a Supreme Court opinion that doesn't bind everybody. And the, remember, the fact that, that Alabama has actually made this a law proves that it is not the law of the land. Okay? And number three, it's not a federal power. Therefore, it is a power that is reserved to the states. 
Remember, the Tenth Amendment says the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution nor prohibited by it to the states are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. The people of Alabama have decided that our principles reflect a sanctity of life. And because our principles reflect a sanctity of life, we are going to protect life. That is a power that is reserved to the states. Period. It is not a federal power. Therefore, it is a power reserved to the states. Now, some people will say, well, it's not a power that the states ought to be, rec- that ought to be exercising. Uh, the states should be uh, creating laws that support abortion. They should be creating laws that allow the woman to actually uh, control her body. But let me point something out to you. This is the Declaration of Independence. This clause in the Declaration of Independence dictates the entire purpose for the creation of the states. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Okay? Life is the first of these self-evident unalienable rights. Life. Now look what it says next. That to secure these rights... Governments are instituted among men deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. This is July 4th, 1776. There is no federal government. The only governments that exist are the states. This is the mission statement of the states. To secure the rights of the people to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's the sole purpose for the creation of our states, to secure the inalienable rights of the people. Who needs more securing of their rights than those who cannot secure those rights themselves? The unborn have a right to live because they are alive. There there is absolutely no legal argument that can be made that says that the baby in the womb is not alive. There's not even a scientific argument that can be made that the baby in the womb is not alive. I was a biochemist as part of a significant part of my, uh, my education was in microbiology. You will never ever find a microbiologist who will tell you that a one-celled organism on a Petri dish is not alive. If a one-celled organism on a Petri dish is alive, then the baby in the womb is alive. Well, the argument becomes it's not viable if you take it from the womb, therefore it's not alive. That is a non-sequitur. You take that same single-cell organism on the Petri dish, you take it out of its nutrient medium on the Petri dish, slap it on the floor, it's going to die. You took it from its, its nutrient medium and put it where it could not survive. Are you now claiming that that was never alive? You'll never find a microbiologist that will make that claim. 
all you're doing is taking a baby from its nutrient medium and trying to trying to say it's not alive, and that is a lie. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I am talking to you today. I'm talking to you today about the Alabama uh, legislature, the governor signing laws to challenge Roe v. Wade. And I've established now that it's that it's not a constitutional law. Roe v. Wade is not a constitutional law. Roe v. Wade is not even a constitutionally based opinion of the Supreme Court. So challenging it is not necessary because number one, it's unconstitutional. Number two, the power was never delegated to the federal government to define life. And number three, it is a power reserved to the states. The states do not have to challenge Roe v. Wade because according to Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, our judges are not bound by it. But remember, I told you it wasn't just unnecessary, it's dangerous. It's dangerous because any state who challenges an unconstitutional opinion and an unconstitutional federal law in a federal court must first admit that the courts are the ultimate authority of their own power. I want this to really, really sink in because this is very, very dangerous. For Alabama to accept jurisdiction of the federal government on this matter they must first admit that the supreme court is the ultimate and final authority for its own power and that is just simply unacceptable in a constitutional republic I think we're in this situation because we have failed to teach for such a long time the principles of the external check and balance, the power of the, of the states over the federal government. Um, sovereign duty. You've got to get the book Sovereign Duty. You can get it at Amazon, Walmart, Books a Million. I don't know. You get it all over the internet now. And there's an ebook you can get to. This will explain to you the most powerful solution to out-of-control federal government that our founders gave us. Sovereign duty is the book you need to get to understand that. But the consequences of denying that external check and balance only serves to reinforce the unconstitutional hypnotism of the American psyche that the Supreme Court is the ultimate authority over everything within the United States, including its own limits of power. Think about this. If Alabama accepts the jurisdiction of the federal government over this matter, then what, they, what are they going to do when the Supreme Court sides with the Supreme Court? What are they going to do when the Supreme Court says, no, you're wrong, we're right? 
because that will decide the precedent for the future of America. What Alabama does at the end of the day. Because they've accepted an unlawful jurisdiction to have legal authority, at the end of the day, what they do will be most important. Will they simply lie down and beg the oligarchy of nine kings and queens to reconsider their matter? Will they just simply lie down and say, oh, the, the kings have spoken. We have no authority over life because they say so. We must allow the federal government to kill our people. We are not a state. We're just simply a colony and all of our people are subjects. Will they have to do that? Because if they do nothing, if the Supreme Court sides with the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade and Alabama does nothing, then they will have admitted that you and Alabama and probably everywhere else in America were all nothing but indentured servants to the federal government. I know that's how the federal government sees it, but this could be the final act. Or does Alabama say, you know, we tried it your way. You don't see the limits to your own power. You don't see the limits to your own constitution. So guess what? We're going to keep this law in spite of your opinion and, you know, do what you got to do. But we're going to protect the life of the people. You see, Alabama should never even accept the jurisdiction of the Supreme Court. Alabama should say, um, you have no jurisdiction over this matter. So guess what? We're not even going to answer your court case in federal court. We're ignoring your for court case because you have no jurisdiction over us and our law will stand. Because as Justice Roberts said, the states are independent, sovereign entities and sometimes they have to act like it.